Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love, and may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it was quite a while back, and you'll understand when I say that I was flipping through the channels on TV. <laughs> this is before they actually had guides, you know, that you go and, and it scrolls down. I was flipping through the channels, and I landed on a channel, and I could not, I couldn't go anywhere with it. I mean, I was just stuck there on this channel because I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. I had landed on a Christian station <laughs> where a te televangelist was leading a worship service. I was stuck and couldn't break away because it was like watching a crowd at a football game. You know, they're up, they're down, they're waving their hands, they're shouting up and down and up and down. I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. The televangelist leading a worship, the worship service was preaching about the Holy Spirit, bestowing gifts on all people. And he would raise his hands and call on the Holy Ghost, and everyone was on their feet and would raise their hands, and a roar would go up. And then the televangelist would lower his hands, and everyone would stop, and there would be total silence. He did it over and over and over again. And they would stand up and roar and then drop their hands and sit down and be quiet. All pastors should be that lucky, right? <laughs> um, now, I have always felt that the coming of the Holy Spirit is a mystery that can't fully be explained. And so it was beyond me that this televangelist had convinced these people that he could control when the Holy Ghost arrived and when she left. I just couldn't believe it. And I just sat back and looked at them and looked down my nose and thought, well, they are just charismatics. <laughs> That's all there is to it. They're Pentecostal charismatics. Do you hear the judgment in that? The binary us and them? Oh, I was doing great at it. It has only been in more recent years that I have come to embrace the idea of being a charismatic too. Because I believe that I am a charismatic. And I believe you are too. So then what does it mean to be people of Pentecost, to those, to be those who are claimed by the Spirit or the Holy Ghost? So to end, I, and okay, so I'm going to tell you this. I have this long esoteric sermon written out. <laughs> and it's really not what I want to say. So I'm going to say a little bit of it, and then I'm going to talk a little thought about this morning we were driving we were driving to church this morning and I start going Stephanie's driving fortunately and I start going and she says are you rehearsing your sermon <laughs> and I said yes I'm not happy with it I think it's too too intellectual I, and I love intellectual but I, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit for God's sake let's talk about the heart right let's talk about our passions and the heart of God Right? So, so I'm going to try to do a little bit of that. And I was going to go on and on about the ancient doctrine of the Trinity. And you know this. I'm just going to tell it to you. So 
The doctrine of the Trinity is a mystery, and it's a difficult doctrine, and no pastor who preaches, uh, I think, can fully explain or, or even be comfortable with it. I mean, I always hated to have to give the children's message on Trinity Sunday. That's just a difficult thing. Although, you can always take the apple and cut it open and say, see the flesh, see the skin, see the seeds. That's the three persons of the Trinity. Now, that has probably messed up a lot of little kids. That's right. But uh, I just want to say that discussing the Trinity is a difficult concept to grasp. But it's about God's oneness and God's threeness. And God's threeness is about relationship and community and conversation and intimacy. And that's how we come to understand our God. Bless you, bless you. You know, that, that God is so much more than we could ever articulate in our English or our Spanish or any other language. It's even in the ancient Hebrew and Greek, it's very difficult to say exactly who God is because God is a mystery, you know? And, um, and it started because the people who followed Jesus really, when they interacted with Jesus, believed they were encountering God. And, and so they began to associate Jesus with God-like, a God-like nature. And, and that same thing happened with the Holy Spirit. People began to understand the Holy Spirit as, as being of God, of being God. And that the great miracle of all, is, all of that is that we are all imbued with that same spirit that we have within each of us the very real living presence of God and God's spirit. That doesn't mean that we are God. In fact, you know, my, I have a clergy friend who used to always remind us, God is God and you're not. <laughs> and that's true. So we shouldn't go on that direction, but I do think um, that this concept of God having multiple, let's say, multiple faces or multiple um, actions or multiple um, behaviors or multiple persons is a, a great idea to contemplate, to have questions about, and try to find answers for. And our reading today mentions all three of, of the... Uh, persons of the Trinity. In a more traditional reading, they would have called Christ in that the Word. So as you know, in the Gospel of John, when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that's talking about the presence of Christ, okay? And so, uh, so we get in this reading from the Apostle Paul, all three of these persons of the Trinity showing up suddenly. And yet, Notice the oneness of it. It says that all of the gifts that are bestowed come from the Spirit, come from God, come from Christ. All of the gifts that are bestowed upon us come from that one source, which is a three-person source. Okay? So I think our first understanding of spiritual gifts 
which is a big topic these days. Spiritual gifts is that, uh, where, where is that coming from? So in terms of the, the spiritual gifts, uh, I think it's also important to note that it's not talents. It's not characteristics, although we tend to think of it like that. Um, I have to go back over here because I have a really good definition, and I want to make sure I get it right. Um, so that I kind of went over my notes here. Um, that, that these gifts um, are they're a power that is bestowed upon us and that power may have characteristics and may have results which we call the fruit of the spirit so don't confuse the gifts of the spirit with the fruit of the spirit they're different things fruit of the spirit and all of us have a little fruit in us, I just want to say, are the outcomes, are the outcomes of our gifts of the Spirit. And that these, this power that we're given enlivens us and activates us, but it's all for the betterment of the church and for the betterment of all people and all creation. So we get given this power from this one source that is a three-person source, and we're given that power for the purpose of transforming the world. And we're enlivened with that. And it is within us. And it takes um, some discernment and examination to ask yourself, well then, if that is the case, how do I see my gift of the Spirit? And so Paul has multiple places in his letters where he lists out the gifts of the Spirit. And so we heard one set of the gifts, and some we, have, we see a lot of healing gifts. There are people that are gifted unbelievably with healing. Most of them are found in hospitals and in doctor's offices and, and places like that. But there are people who have charismatic healing gifts. Um, there are people... What we don't tend to see in our progressive and liberal Christian churches are uh, the, the, uh, ex the, the, the gifts of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, um, this may also be um, Paul's uh, subtle reference to the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Because as you remember in the, story, in the book of Acts, where it says that the fires came as tongues of fire, right? And so Paul, in speaking of tongues, may be making a reference to that. And the other thing is, is that at Pentecost, the, the, the understanding of the language differences was that if you were speaking English and I was speaking Spanish, we could understand each other without having an interpreter. In this passage, uh, the, the tongues and interpretation of tongues which, by the way, most Pentecostal people will tell you that you can't have been speaking in tongues if somebody doesn't interpret it. Mm -hmm. And you can't interpret your own. Okay, But in the speaking in tongues is glossolalia, which is a, a kind of sounds to us like gibberish. But somebody who interprets tongues could say what that's, what's being said. And we don't tend to see that much in our more traditional churches and 
uh, and that kind of thing. Well, so what does all this talk of the Trinity and spiritual gifts have to do with us today? Well, it turns out that, at least according to Paul, we are all charismatics because we all get gifts. Now, I've told you this before. It's just like Oprah Winfrey when she gave all those cards. You get a gift, and 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 nobody gets all the gifts. Only some people, we get different gifts. But we have to discern them and recognize them in order to be able to make a difference in the world for the glory of God and for the common good. And um, sometimes we replace the power of the gifts that we're given with our own self-interest. You know, for things that we want to achieve, things that we want to be, how we want to be in the world. Instead of tuning ourselves into this one God who has bestowed these these spiritual gifts on all of us, and then discerning what our spiritual gift is so that we can give that to others. And some people are given spiritual gifts to the point that they actually can change, they have the ability to change whole systems. And some are given gifts and they have the ability to change a life. You know, so different gifts produce different outcomes, different fruits, right? And I think this is a very important thing for us. And I think it's especially important for our, um, our progressive and liberal and traditional Christian churches that we have become pretty comfortable being progressive, liberal, traditional <laughs> Christians. And instead of letting that Holy Spirit to enliven us and activate us to be who God has empowered us to be, There is a writer uh, by the name of, uh, oh, i got to find him. (laughs) His name is Peter Choi, and he wrote an article this month for the Christian Century. And what he's writing about is that we're at a cultural turning point in the Christian church. Well, we have been for a long time, but we are really at a cultural turning point happening right now. And one of the turning points, and, and he has helped many people through this, he's a director of faith and justice an organization. And what he ha- is talking about are young people, a lot of young people, but also all of us. And what he's also talking about are evangelicals and ex-evangelicals. So I don't know if you realize, but Christian churches in the United States have been losing membership hand over fist for a long time, especially the progressive and liberal Christian church. But in recent years, the evangelical church People are leaving by the droves and claiming that they are ex-evangelicals, okay? Or they're just saying, to hell with church, period, or to hell with faith, period. And this writer says that we're in this, you know, we're in this fulcrum at a turning point. And some of the things that these ex-evangelicals and progressive Christians are saying is that Um, that there is this rich opportunity for us to join God in reimagining the church, what we can be, who we hope to be, how we want to be in the world. And it's going to take a reimagining of all of this. And so he says there are five shifts taking place. The first is from triumphalism to lament. 
that there are so many ex-evangelicals who are tired of all the raw, 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 go Jesus. And they want to recognize that part of our journey as a faith community is to lament, to talk about our losses, our griefs, that our that our hearts have not been able to fully grasp because we've been dealing with so much. That the role of the church is to help people lament. So if you're here today because your heart is breaking for some reason or for someone or you're desperately afraid of what is happening in the world right now, which I don't know who isn't, then it is time for us to embrace the idea that we don't have to always be uh, happy depressives. <laughs> that we can, in fact, be people who grieve and lament. And that this is a shift taking place in the church. And, and we at New Church need to embrace that. And we are invited to understand that there is a shift taking place from morality to dignity. It's not that we do away with morality. The, the, the church and, and scripture outlines for us what it is to be a moral person. But as uh, Tim showed me today, I had evidently sent him a text. I don't remember who it was by, but it said, uh, love is the text, everything else is just footnotes. And so this idea of moving from morality, which is... Uh, sometimes very confined and restrictive to dignity and finding and we've always said in our church we want that for all people uh, but it, are there ways we can help as a church move people in those directions the shift from morality to dignity means remembering that when Jesus faced a choice between rule following and affirming a person's dignity it was never a hard choice for him he chose dignity. And then a shift from certainty to mystery. Now, we're in our book club group reading this Wholehearted Faith by Rachel Held Evans. You don't have to come to our book study group or our club, but I really recommend this book for you because in it she talks about how we've been taught to be certain of things and we fail to understand mystery. And, in fact, that if we are willing to embrace mystery, we will begin to shift away from certainty toward humility. And in that humility, we will develop a questioning and wondering mind, which will reinforce our humility. In other words, we don't know it all. And, how, and she talks in that book about how that creates such a sense of humility in you. you. You find it hard to judge other people because you have recognized that you don't, you might not agree with them, but you certainly don't know everything. So this is how she is teaching. And so it's a marvelous book, and I highly recommend it to you. And then to move from superiority to mutuality, and this is going on all around us. Uh, you know, um, people have grown skeptical of any claims that anyone has uh, superiority over spiritual matters, and and that's okay. 
But in that, we need to move to mutuality. We need to find ways to move toward being a mutual people rather than a, some people are superior and some are lower. And, um, and here's how we find that in scripture. You know, Moses uh, comes across this tree that's burning but doesn't burn up. And God says, you know, I have heard the cry of my people. I have felt what they are feeling. I grieve what they are experiencing. And so I'm going to send you to bring this out of this slavery and into new life. Imagine God saying to you, I have felt what you are feeling. I know what is breaking your heart. I sense your struggles and that God then becomes the model for mutuality for us, right? I know your fears. I know your anxiety. And I feel that with you. And then the last is from rhetoric to embodiment. You know, our patron saint, Francis, said, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. That our words are empty if they're not met with actions. And that's why the gifts of the Spirit are so important. We can make all these shifts and help other people make them if we will open ourselves to the Spirit so that we may have the power and be empowered and enlivened and, and uh, thriving and activated in order to help people move in this direction. And it's the Spirit that gives us that through Jesus Christ, through the creating God. But it is the Spirit who bestows that upon us. You see, the work of the, the, work of the people is not just worship, but physical embodiment of all the gifts of the Spirit for the good of all. And when the spirit shows up, ooh-wee, sometimes your sound system goes wonky. <laughs> when the spirit shows up with the gifts of God and bestows them upon us to do the work of God in the world, we are charismatics. We are filled with the charism, which is the activity of receiving the gifts, but charism is a word that comes from charis, which is God's grace. We are filled with that so that we can do this work. Well, I want to remind you of this. A long time ago I heard this, and I learned some things about it today. Well, yesterday, the day before. C.S. Lewis once said, uh, you do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Well, I found out that he never wrote that or said that. But everybody's attributed it to him, and they trace it back to a, a fiction book called a, Cant a Canticle for Leibowitz by Walter Miller that was published in 1959. It was a science fiction novel, and this is what it said. You don't have a soul, doctor. You are a soul. You have a body temporarily. 
But then they go back further and find that George Mason, in an instruction to the, his Quaker congregation, said, uh, ex excuse me, George MacDonald, in instructions to his uh, Quaker congregation said, never tell a child you have a soul. Teach the child you are a soul. You have a body. As we learn to think of things always in this order, that the body is but the temporary clothing of the soul, our views of death will approximate to those who have come before us. You have a soul. You are a body. And your body and soul here in this time and place, is imbued with the Spirit's gifts given to us by our triune God. <laughs> and given freely so that we may live fully. We may love extravagantly. And we may become all that God seeks for us to be. This is the promise of the Spirit who is ever and always with us. Thanks be to God.